This weekend we celebrate the Feast of the Ascension. And the Feast of the Ascension has a particular significance in my own life because it was on the feast, the weekend of the Feast of the Ascension that I was ordained 10 years ago. And so my very first Mass was actually the celebration of the Ascension 10 years ago on March 20th of 2012. But the Ascension has an extreme importance for us in the story of our life, in the story of our salvation. And unfortunately, the solemnity of the Ascension is often subdued because it falls in a time that's very busy for us as school is letting out, summer is beginning, uh, many things are going on in our lives. And so the, it's kind of shoved to the side in many ways. And, and, and even because the readings often point more towards the uh, Pentecost, which are happening next weekend, and the Ascension points to the Pentecost in many ways, the whole point of the Ascension is sometimes lost. And it's unfortunate because it's part of our story. It's part of the essential story in our lives and in our salvation. When I was traveling throughout Germany over the last two weeks, and we went into these beautiful cathedrals all over Germany, we're in Belgium, Switzerland, France as well, and even in, into Italy in the, in the last uh, day that we spent, we spent down there. But it was unfortunate as we walked into these cathedrals, into these beautiful churches, and the thing that my friend Father Scott and I noticed the most was that there was no one there to pray. There are many tourists coming through and, and staring and, and looking and gawking at the beautiful images or the beautiful architecture or the beautiful statues, but no one was really there to pray. And as we received tours of these different cathedrals as well, we noticed that in the tours there is this often uh, this cynicism towards the Catholic faith in the way in which they talked about the faith in the building of the cathedral and what was happening at that time when the cathedral was built. Now, many of these huge cathedrals that we were in were over 500 years old. One of them that we in had some of the remains of it was actually over 1,700 years old and, in fact, was the very first church that Constantine had built after Christianity was legalized in the Roman Empire. And so it was in, uh, I believe it was in Trier in which this cathedral was built, and as they dated it, they dated it back even older, about 10 years older than actually St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Now, the actual St. Peter's Basilica that's standing in Rome today was built in around the 1200s. But the original church that was built over the tomb of St. Peter dates back to the time of Constantine. But this church in Trier was even older than that, about 10 years older. But once again... The, the, the tour guides talked about it in, this, in a cynical way, speaking about how, almost as if the church and the faith was something of the past. It was a time that humanity went through because they didn't have reason, and the Enlightenment came about, and all of a sudden we had this human reason and the ability to decide that, well, we didn't really need faith anymore. And so we kind of shoved it to the side. And that was kind of the sense that we got from the tours uh, in, in these different cathedrals. And it kind of showed in the amount of people that were there. In Switzerland, we actually got to meet someone, uh, actually he's a former Swiss guard, and we talked to him about the faith in Switzerland and kind of in Europe in general, and he confirmed what we experienced, that the faith, there was no one praying because the faith was pretty much gone in many of these places. And these cathedrals had become, had become place, uh, museums and not places of prayer, not places of Mass anymore, even though we did say Mass in many of these uh, cathedrals anyway. 
And as I was contemplating why this was the case, why had the faith been lost in many of these cathedrals and, and, and all over Europe, it dawned on me that, especially as the tour was given to us and the way in which the tour was given to us, that the reason that these churches were empty and there is no faith was because the story had been lost. Not just the story of the cathedral and the purpose for which it was built and the significance of, of the building of the cathedral and the way that it uh, reached the heights and it, it almost touched the skies in a sense when you look at it and it was meant to be a sign of our prayers and our, and our looking always up to God in all that we do. None of that was talked about. But even more importantly, even more really in each of our own lives today, the story of what Christ has done for us and how essential that is to our lives had not been passed down. It had been diluted or it had been stolen in a sense and, and it had been taught in a manner which really undervalued the importance of what Christ had done for us and does for us. And when we don't talk about the ascension and what the ascension really is about, that same thing begins to happen. We forget our story. And if we don't take the opportunity to, take, to pass on the story of our salvation to our children and our children's children and so on and so forth, the story will be lost. And the same thing that has happened in Europe will happen here in America as well. And already is kind of happening here in America as well as all the studies are showing how people are leaving the faith in droves. And so we have to know our story and to know how Christ's story is personal to us, so we, then we can talk about our story and be able to talk about the significance of Christ for us in our lives. And so what I find amazing about our readings this weekend and the celebration of the Ascension, particularly from the Gospel of Luke, the very last seven verses of the Gospel of Luke talk about Jesus and his Ascension. But notice what Jesus does in this Ascension. He, he, says, he it says he leads them out as far as Bethany. He raises his hands, blesses them. As he blessed them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. He ascends into heaven as he is blessing them. Now, do you recall how the book of Luke begins? The book of Luke begins with Zechariah ascending into the temple to offer sacrifice. And as he offers sacrifice, he then comes out of the temple and blesses the people that have come to receive the blessing that happens once a year on, this part, on that particular feast from the priest who has offered sacrifice in the temple. But remember that Zechariah was not able to offer the blessing. Why was he not able to offer the blessing? Because he doubted. While he was in offering sacrifice, the angel Gabriel appeared to him and said, Your wife Elizabeth is with child. You will have a son. You will name him John. And Zechariah says, This is not possible. My wife and I are old in years. We've been trying forever to have children. It's just not possible. And he's made mute so that he cannot speak. And so he cannot speak the blessing. So when he comes out of the temple... All, everything, all the people have come to hear this blessing, and they don't hear it. Why is this significant? Because what do we hear in the book of Hebrews? It says that Christ did not enter into a sanctuary made by hands, 
a copy of the true one, but heaven itself. The temple that Zechariah entered into was not, the original temple was not Solomon's temple. But the temple that was built was in the manner in which the temple was meant to be built, in which God told them to build it. God gave very explicit instructions in the Old Testament as to how to build the temple. And the temple was a model of the sanctuary in heaven. And so when Hebrews says, Christ did not enter into a sanctuary made by hands, he's talking about the sanctuary that was made by hands in Jerusalem that was the temple, into which the the priests entered into in in order to offer sacrifice and come out and offer the blessing to the people. And so what Christ is doing is he is entering into the true temple, the true sanctuary, and as he does so, he offers the blessing the blessing of Christ himself upon the apostles in order for them to go into the world and to bring about the good news, to preach the good news, to tell the story of what Christ has done for them and what Christ has done for all of us. And the same blessing that Christ gives as he is ascending into heaven is the same blessing that we receive when we come to Mass. Because when we come to Mass and the priest enters into the sanctuary, he ascends the steps into the sanctuary. And traditionally in Catholic churches, there is a number of steps, especially up to the altar where the tabernacle is. There's typically three steps up to the altar where the tabernacle is to signify the entering into the sanctuary of heaven where the sacrifice is perpetually made and we enter into that perpetual sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And the priest enters into that because it is the one priesthood of Jesus Christ. Not the priesthood of Brian, who is here before you today. But it is the priesthood of Jesus Christ in which I have been ordained into, so that I may give the blessing, not my own blessing, but the blessing of Christ himself by virtue of my ordination. And so when I enter into the sanctuary and we come to Mass, we are entering into this heavenly temple, this heavenly worship, this heavenly sanctuary, Yes, this church that is built by human hands, but the heavenly liturgy that is not made by human hands, but we enter into that heavenly liturgy of eternal life to receive the blessing from God himself. The blessing from Jesus Christ, the blessing that he gives as he ascends into heaven on ascension in the scriptures. So that when we come to Mass, we are entering into the saving effects that Christ has done for us. The book of Hebrews goes on, not that he might offer himself repeatedly. It's the one sacrifice of Christ. As the high priest enters each year into the sanctuary with blood that is not his own. If that were so, he'd have to suffer repeatedly. Christ suffered once. But now once for all, he has appeared at the end of the ages to take away sin by his sacrifice. The one sacrifice of Christ that we enter into today is a sacrifice of Christ on Calvary 2,000 years ago that because it is in time and, and He is God, it affects all of eternity. We enter into eternity through this sacrifice. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since through the blood of Jesus, we have confidence of entrance into the sanctuary by the new and living way He opened for us through the veil. The veil that is His flesh. It's through Christ's flesh that we, that veil has been opened, that we can receive that blessing, that we can enter into the sanctuary of eternal life. Through his death 
And through his death, we participate in that death through baptism, through confession, through confirmation, through the reception of his body and blood in the Eucharist, so we may participate in divine life. So when Christ ascends into heaven, he takes this human flesh that he has received in this world, and he takes this human flesh into eternity, and because we part in that human flesh that he shares with us, he takes that human flesh into eternity so that we also can share in eternal life, not when we die, but that it may begin here and now. That divinity that he takes on, we participate in with our faith, hope, and charity that we live in this world, sharing in that divine life that Christ has won for us. The ascension is an essential part of our story that we cannot forget, that we cannot gloss over and just rush to Pentecost. It's an essential part of the ability for us to receive the blessing of God, the blessing of Jesus Christ that he gives on Ascension Sunday and that we continue to receive in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, when we are united to Him in His flesh and His blood in Holy Communion, through baptism, through all the sacraments, we receive that grace of sanctifying life, sanctifying grace, so we may share in the life of God, in the life of Christ. That's what this is all about. And so it is necessary for us to take on this story, to study it, to pray with it, to take these scriptures and study them every single week, to incorporate them into our own lives so that we are living them out every single day. As we incorporate them into our lives, we share them with our children. We share them with those that we encounter. We share them with everyone that we meet so that they understand that Christ is not dead, but that he is alive and he is alive in us because of this grace that we receive through the sacraments. That grace we must share with all of those around us. And then in Pentecost, we are empowered and given the gifts of the Holy Spirit to do that very thing. Let us live our story. Let us not forget our story. Let us not weaken the story, but live it in a powerful way in which Christ intended to give it to us, that we may bring all to know the power of Christ in their lives as well.